Well, hello everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you today and thank you for choosing to tune in this weekend through all of your devices. My name is Sue Vak. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at River Glen. I oversee group life as well as our local and global outreach efforts. Well, I've been attending church in my own home in North Prairie for the last eight weeks with my family. And I have to tell you, it is a little strange to be back on this stage, but it's been so encouraging for me to worship and learn together, even in this unique way. I wanna say happy Mother's Day to my mom who's watching from New Berlin and of course to all the moms that are watching today. Well, we're concluding our series called Anxious for Nothing today with our fourth week studying through a passage in the book of Philippians, which is found in the New Testament of the Bible. This message series was in the works months ago when God already knew what we'd be going through and he already knew how we'd be feeling today. So over the course of this series, Ben has shared some pretty sobering statistics about the rise of anxiety in America, including how anxiety is the number one health issue for women and the number two issue for men, just behind drugs and alcohol. Millions of people seek medical treatment for their anxiety every year. As I was researching, I found a statistic that said almost 31% of people in America will have a significant anxiety disorder at some point in their life. That means a third of our close friends are battling anxiety every day. And I strongly believe that God doesn't want us to go through it alone. So no matter where you're watching from today, if this is you, please reach out to us. We have resources for you. We have contact information for mental health professionals that we can share with you. And we have groups designed to support one another, including a great group of individuals called Stephen Ministers. These folks have been trained to listen and pray with anyone going through a crisis. You can fill out the welcome card or just type a message in the chat and our hosts will pray for you and they'll connect you to those who can help. Because sometimes it's often true, isn't it? That the biggest battles we have going on, they're not the ones that people can see. The outside, it looks fine. But on the inside, are anxious, worried, and we're drowning in what ifs. Now, since I'm giving this message on Mother's Day, I was thinking back to what it was like when I was a mom of three little ones. So my girls are fairly close together in age, and when we were parenting young kids, it seemed like the anxiety would just come in waves. There were the years of potty training and sleep training, the months and really years even of a child that refused to eat more than just a few foods. I think some of you might know who I'm talking about. The fighting of the grade school years, the friend drama of the junior high years, and then of course there was that constant anxiety around, am I doing this right? Or am I just giving them material for their future therapists? And through it all, it was my faith in God and my community of friends that really made the difference. There were definitely times that I was ready to quit. Oh, there were so many tears over the years. And a message series like this one, it would have been a lifeline over and over again. But even if you aren't in the midst of parenting anxiety, or you wouldn't normally even consider yourself an anxious person, I think that we're all feeling it to some extent right now, aren't we? And there are lots of ideas floating around out there on how to overcome it. You know, getting outside seems to help, you know, soaking in that vitamin D from the sun and just seeing other people, even if it's from a distance. I've heard using essential oils really reduces anxious feelings for some people, you know, breathing in that comforting scent can kind of be soothing. And I know that baking, knitting, and building puzzles are working for lots of people. 
We've been using some adult coloring pages at our house. Seems to be helping. But what if we can adopt some spiritual practices that make it possible to replace our anxiety with peace? Well, for the last three weeks, we've been learning how to live regularly in that place of peace, in a mindset where anxiety doesn't always have the upper hand. A lot of the teaching for this series came from a book written by Christian author Max Lucado, including the big idea for this entire series, which is this. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. It is possible to combat our anxious thoughts with the power of God and his words. Let's read the entire passage right now because we want these verses to stick in our minds, maybe even become committed to memory so that when anxiety threatens and to overwhelm us, we can turn to these words. Let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you haven't been able to tune in for all the entire series, I encourage you to go to the message page on our website and watch the three previous weeks because each week is an integral part of the entire plan to stay out of the prison of anxiety. Just one of the practices won't be enough. We need all of them to find the peace that Paul is talking about. Let me do a quick review for you. So we've been building this acrostic for the word calm. And in week one, we talked about C, celebrating who God is by reminding ourselves of his goodness and his control. In week two, we learned to ask. That's the A one. Ask God for what we need in a specific way. And then in week three, we reflected on the importance of gratitude and making a list. L stands for list, a list of things that we're thankful for. And now today, we're going to focus on the act of meditating. That's what M stands for, using our minds to focus on the good. And just like the first three weeks, this last step that's found in the final verse of this section, verse eight, it's very practical. When we think about the types of things listed in this verse, fix our minds on them. Some versions will use the word meditate. It's going to be a powerful way to overcome anxiety. Now here's the big idea for today. You can't control every thought that flies into your mind, but you can control which ones you allow to land. I was listening to a pastor of a church out in Arizona talk about verse 8, and he made this comparison to the job of an air traffic controller. Because the decisions made by air traffic controllers, they can be the difference between life and death, can't they? Things like what order the planes land in, or deciding what to do in bad weather, or what adjustments are made if some part of a plane malfunctions. All of these decisions, they have life and death implications for hundreds of people flying on any given day. And when it comes to anxiety, we have to be the air traffic controllers of our minds. We decide what thoughts we let land because those thoughts can determine the direction of our lives. And if we don't like the direction our life is going, we might want to ask ourselves, what are we allowing to land? In today's verse, verse 8, Paul gives us the list of what types of things we should allow to land. Let's look at the verse again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mentioned earlier that some of the versions of the Bible, they use the word meditate for that phrase, think about. Now in the original Greek language that the New Testament was written in, that word found here, it's logizomai. Let me say it again, logizomai. Can you see what modern word we get from this ancient word? Yeah, it's the word logic. Paul wants us to use our brains. He wants us to use logic and reason to battle anxiety. Okay, I want to do a short science lesson to help you understand what I mean here. So God created our brains on purpose to help us with things like fear and anxiety. And there's a small section of our brain called the amygdala that houses our emotions. Okay, this is going to be really simplified, but when we feel fear, the amygdala sends alarms to the rest of our brain on how we should respond. This is where we get that fight or flight reaction to scary things. Okay, then there's this larger part of our brain. It's called the prefrontal cortex. And that's the area that houses logic or the logical reactions to those fight or flight emotions. And God designed these two parts of our brain to work together. And let me give you an example that I think most of us can relate to. So let's say we go to a haunted house and we walk around a corner and someone jumps out at us and scares us. Well, the amygdala sends a message to our muscles and nerves to run. But then the prefrontal cortex kicks in and reminds us that it's just a person dressed up in a costume and that we actually paid money to have people jump out at us in the dark. It makes sense, right? Okay, now it is possible to let anxiety send our minds into a constant state of fight or flight chemically. Anxiety can actually weaken the pathway between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex so it doesn't work like it should. And that logical part of our brain can't convince the emotional part that there's nothing to worry about. Now, I understand how emotions can alter that pathway because I've always been a little nervous about heights. But over the years, this nervousness has grown to genuine, almost irrational fear as over and over again, I've convinced myself that being in any type of high place is not safe. I remember when our family went to the Sears Tower in Chicago a couple years ago, we went to that floor where there's the glass platform and everybody on that floor was willing to step out on that platform, but not me. I watched person after person step out there and of course it held just fine, but I just wanted to take pictures. My kids teased me that they were gonna start jumping when they went out there, which of course they didn't, but I probably would have fainted. You know, there's actually a lot of science around this issue. It's called neuroplasticity. And our brain is pliable. The more time we spend in that prison of anxiety, we can actually create new pathways that bypass that logical part of our brain. We effectively retrain our brains to magnify our emotions. And we may end up thinking that our anxiety is truer than it actually is. That's why Paul tells us we need to use more logic, logizomai, and we need to develop the parts of our mind that can fight anxiety. In other words, we need to think about what we think about. Let me say that again. We need to think about what we think about. And not every thought is worth thinking about. Because worry and anxiety, they turn the what-ifs over and over in our minds. And meditation, or logizomai, it does the same thing, but with something that's true. Now, I want to pause here for just a second because 
I don't want you to think I'm saying that we should just fix ourselves. There is a lot we can do for sure, but sometimes we need professional help and there is no shame in that. It can be really hard to ask for help, I get that, but it'll be one of the best decisions you ever make. About nine months ago, I was struggling with a lot of emotional anxiety around all these transitions that were happening in our lives. Our youngest daughter was getting ready to go off to college. Our daughter, Molly, who's on the autism spectrum, she was moving into her own apartment across town. And our other daughter, Lauren, was making plans to move to Orlando for a job with Disney. That's a lot of change for a mom in one year. And all I could think about were all the things that could go wrong now that they were all gonna be out on their own. My emotions were all over the place. I felt like I couldn't concentrate, I couldn't really even function normally. And I needed some professional help to process all of it. So I saw a counselor for several months, and you know what, she really helped me. If you're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety and it's not getting better, please reach out to us. We have a list of professional counselors and doctors that can help. But there are things that you can do right now. We can be better air traffic controllers of our minds. Remember, we can't control every thought that flies into our minds, but we can control what thoughts we allow to land. Let's look at what Paul says again. Let's look at the words in verse eight and kind of talk a little bit about what they mean. So whatever is true, that means things that are not imaginary or what ifs. Whatever is noble, things that are worthy of thinking about. Whatever is right, things consistent with the Bible or God's word. Whatever is pure, those are wholesome things. Whatever is lovely or pleasing, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. I feel like Paul is saying the same thing in a lot of different ways, but we should allow true, good, wholesome thoughts to land in our minds, and then we should meditate on those things. Now, meditation can kind of be a weird idea. It can be misunderstood, and sometimes we equate meditation with Eastern religions or humming or sitting on the ground with our legs crossed and our hands out and emptying our minds. But meditation is all throughout the Bible. And the Bible doesn't tell us to empty our minds, just the opposite. The Bible tells us to fill our minds. Look at what it says in Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. It says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. To battle anxiety, you don't empty your mind, you fill it up with what is good. I wanna do an illustration of what this looks like. That same pastor out in Arizona, he did this and I thought it was really clever and I think it might help some of you. Okay, so let's say that this glass container represents your brain. It's probably a little bit bigger than most people's brains, but it represents our mind. Now throughout our lives, Satan, our enemy, he has a whole onslaught of anxious thoughts that he wants to fill our minds with. All of those what ifs, things like, what if I lose my job in this pandemic? What if I can't retire because my 401k takes such a hit? What if something happens to one of my kids? What if I don't get into the college I want? What if I never find true love? What if, what if, what if? Until our mind is filled up with all the anxious thoughts. And how can we live a positive life with a negative mind? I think you might have heard that saying, garbage in, garbage out. Now, we could just empty our minds like the traditional definition of meditation tells us to, but once our mind is empty, what happens? 
well, we can't really live our lives with an empty mind, can we? And eventually the anxious thoughts, they're gonna come back and Satan will just wanna fill it back up again. But in verse eight, Paul gives us the alternative. He says, instead of leaving our minds empty and vulnerable to more anxious thoughts, instead, we fill it up with whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, fill your mind with those things. And this is really powerful. Let me show you. Because when we fill our minds with what's true and what's good, and then the anxious thoughts try to come back, guess what? There's not a whole lot of room for them, is there? There's not enough room. There's no room left for what's not good. That's why the gratitude list from last week is so important. Just like a good air traffic controller, you can't control every thought that flies into your mind, but you can control which ones you allow to land. Paul is challenging us to fill up our minds with what's true, what's noble, what's right, all those things until there's no more room for the anxious thoughts. Now, some of you might be thinking, you don't, just, you don't understand. I can't do this. My anxiety just runs too deep. But sometimes if you let phrases like those dominate your thoughts, you're only contributing to the anxiety that you feel. Okay, don't misunderstand me. This can be a chemical issue in your brain. And you might need some help from a professional to balance out those chemicals, or you might need someone to walk alongside you in a counseling relationship like I did and help you to change your thoughts. But this is also a spiritual issue. And if you're a Christ follower, Paul's advice is powerful because you have God's spirit living inside of you. The very same powerful spirit that raised Christ from the dead, parted the Red Sea, performed all of those miracles. That spirit is alive in you. And God wants to use the power of his spirit to renew your mind. So don't believe the lie that it isn't possible. There's another place in the Bible where Paul rewords this concept from Philippians 4.8. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where it says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's talk a little bit about the last phrase in that verse, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This means every single thought. That word captive, it literally means to arrest someone with a weapon, not just grab them, but to use a weapon like a sword or a spear. Okay, now you might be thinking, well, I don't have any weapons, but we do. In Ephesians chapter six, there's an entire list of weapons that God gives us. And guess what? There's a sword among them. In verse 17, it says we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This book is your weapon. That's why when we aren't spending time reading the Bible, we tend to feel defeated. We need the words in here to take our thoughts captive. We need to fill our minds up with these true, noble, right, pure words. We take captive those negative, anxious thoughts by using Paul's list, and then we logically retrain our minds by filling our minds up with excellent and praiseworthy words from the Bible. Remember, you can't control every thought that flies into your mind, but you can control which ones you allow to land. It's your mind. I believe that God is speaking to some of you about your thoughts today. 
Remember to be patient. It takes time and practice to retrain our minds. We have to take our thoughts captive one thought at a time, one lie at a time, with the truth that we find in God's word. For example, maybe the lie that you believe is that you're weak, you can't fight. But God says in the Bible, when you are weak, he is strong. Or maybe the lie you let land is, I'll always be alone. But it says in the book of Hebrews that God will never leave you alone. Maybe the lie you think about is, I'm worthless. God says, no, you're my child. In John 3.16, he says, you are worth so much to him that he sent his son to die for you. Or maybe it's things like, I'm not attractive, no one will ever love me. Well, this book says in Psalm 139 that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Or maybe the lie you struggle with is, I'll never be a good mom or a good dad. But God tells us, you don't have to be perfect. Our job as moms and dads is to point our children to the perfect parent. That's why we have parents go through dedication, like we did earlier in today's service, to remind us that God is a perfect parent as we lead our children towards him. If you think you're never gonna get out from under anxiety, Paul gave us this entire passage in Philippians in chapter four as a section to meditate on, to retrain our brains, to believe what it says in verse seven, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's so important to apply this truth from verse eight. So I wanna encourage you with some practical ways that you can put it into practice. First, you need to stay in God's word daily. In order to wield your sword and take the anxious thoughts captive, you have to fill your mind with the scriptures. You could start by just reading the entire book of Philippians. There's so much practical truth all throughout that book. Just read a few verses each day and then write down the ones that fill you up. If you haven't already done this, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or whatever device you use. There are hundreds of Bible reading plans available on the YouVersion Bible app, including ones that are designed just for someone battling anxiety. These plans, they help us find scriptures that speak to whatever we're facing in life. There's even a reading plan that's written by Max Lucado to follow along with his book, Anxious for Nothing, that we base this series on. Your hosts are gonna post a link in the chat so you can find the place to download the YouVersion app. Secondly, you need to surround yourself with God's people weekly. Now you might think that this is hard to do while we're all staying at home, but we've been able to pivot all of our services and all of our groups to an online platform so you can stay connected to others. We have groups that simply reread the verses from the weekend message and then talk about them together. We have groups for men only or women only that are open right now. They'll let you jump in at any time. And we're even launching some brand new online groups this next week. They're on different days and a variety of times. So just go to the Group Life online resources page to sign up. Your host will put a link in the chat. Any of us can make this kind of change. We can all choose to control what we allow to land in our minds. We have the ability to renew our minds by meditating on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely. It'll take time because nothing happens overnight. I mean, just think about working out or going to the gym. We would never expect to be in perfect shape right away. We know exercise takes time to yield results and renewing your mind with scripture that happens over time as well, but it is possible. All of us can replace the chaos of anxiety with calm.
by celebrating who God is, asking for what we need, listing what we're grateful for, and then meditating on what's good. As we move into a time of communion, I want to remind you of the truth that the entire Christian faith is based on. The truth that Jesus paid the price for our sin by his death on the cross. You know, our choices and our attitudes that are contrary to God's nature, those are called sin. And sin's what keeps us from a relationship with God that starts here on earth and continues throughout eternity in heaven. The Bible says that the payment for sin is death. Someone had to die. And that someone had to be without sin. And only Jesus could pay what we owed. And he loves us so much that he was willing to die in our place. That's some powerful truth right there. You were loved so much that someone died for you. As we take communion together, and I invite you to use whatever you have where you are today, something solid to symbolize Christ's body that was broken, bread or crackers or tortilla chips, and then something liquid to symbolize his blood that was poured out for you, maybe some juice or soda or even water. But as we eat and drink and remember Jesus's death together, we're going to put some Bible verses up on your screen. We're going to leave them up there a little longer this week so you can think about or meditate on them. Read them over a couple times. Let the truth sink into your mind. And then maybe write down the book or the chapter or the verse number references, or you can screenshot them so you can find them later and read them all throughout the week. Let me pray for us. God, our Father, thank you so much for your generous love for us, for sending Jesus to die in our place and save us from the consequences of our sin. Help us to let the truth of that love sink deep into our minds and hearts. God, we need your help to replace our negative, anxious thoughts with the truth. Help us to seek out right, noble, praiseworthy words from the Bible to meditate on. Draw us close to lovely, admirable people who support us and speak good things into our lives as well. And God, give us the courage to seek out and ask for help when we need it. You are a good God who's given us so many good things, and we ask for your peace to flood our hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.